and oftentimes there'll be distractions and interruptions that will attempt to get our attention to go somewhere else. And I want you to focus on what God wants to do inside you today, in this room today. And I realize that there's a lot going on and I have to be the first to admit that there are moments where it becomes too much for me personally. I don't know whether I want to take that next step or I want to keep trying or I want to keep doing what we're doing when the doctors bring the report or when the marriage is not going as well and we don't have two hours to figure it out like the TV show. <laughs> the children are not listening or the finances are not what they are or we find ourselves in situations of wonder, God, where are you? And I believe that it's not just me and I think that it's a lot of us in this room that go through that and I have to let you know that it's okay to question God. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have a conversation with God. It's okay to say, God, where are you? Because I need you. For the next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about finding God in difficult transitions. And believe me, some of you are there now. And if you're not there, you will be. <laughs> or you have been. It just seems to be that way. It's cyclical. You're coming out of one, you'll be getting into one. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And what I want you to encourage you is to realize that in the midst of those difficult transitions, God is present. And what we have to do is be able to find God in those moments. And despite, because there are many signs, there's, there's always signs pointing us. There are always signs giving us direction. There's always a sign telling us, do not enter, don't go this way, don't go, slippery when wet, stop, red light, green light. There's always a sign. God is always speaking. What's unfortunate is that we lower the volume. And we let the difficulties of life overwhelm us to the point. And I want to encourage you that God himself gives himself. And we have to find moments where we can rest in his presence. Amen. If we can stand as it is accustomed in this church, you have your bulletins. And I encourage you to read along with us. I promise not to keep you up on your feet too long. So I can't stand on mine up. But there are two scriptures that somehow we skirt over a great deal. We've heard them before. And I want to encourage you to read them out loud with me. The first one in your bulletin is found in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. And the count of three we'll all read it out loud together. Let the people out of the sidewalk kill us. Because there's a world out there that needs to find the rest that's found in Christ Jesus. There's a world that needs to be still and know that he is God. So let's read it together. Count of three. One, two, three. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and happy and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. You need to find that rest. The next scripture, we all know it as well. Some of you who have been growing in Christ, been in a small group, and have been in a Bible study. Again, these are signs God is always telling us in difficult transitions. Bring it to me. The next one is 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I have a loud voice. We're all going to read it together. At the count of three. One, two, three. Temptations in your life are not different from what others experience. And God is 
provision. I want you to write down, He will. He will always provide for you when the time that He decides is right. I have found that in my own personal life, there have been times where I've asked Him for something and it's come and I've forgotten it. I get caught up in what he has provided rather than the fact that he was him that provided it. Where it says power, he is able. He is able. And his providence, he knows. That there is nothing that's happening in your life, in my life, that he does not know about. And it's important for us to realize because even in the in Exodus when they began to cry out to God, there were three words that he told Moses. He told Moses these three statements. He said, I see, I hear, and I am concerned. That's why he raised up Moses so that he can go back to that place where the people were crying out, where God was seeing the afflictions of his people. He says, I am concerned for them. And I have to tell you, God is concerned about you as well. So if you find yourself in biblical transitions, just know that God is present. And what you have to do is be able to rest in his presence and realize that he wants nothing more than to provide and God's arm is not short that, that he cannot help you wherever you find yourself in. And that's, that's a profound statement that sometimes we think, oh, God is so business. I believe that. I grew up believing that God is a punishing God. I believe that God didn't want nothing to do with me. And why would he want to help me? There were bigger things to take care of in this world than little old me. But imagine that the God who casts the stars into the heavens cares about you. The God that keeps everything in place cares about you and me. And I don't know where you find yourself today. But like I said, transitions happen even without your invitation. They do. There are transitions that take place in our lives regularly. All the time. Whether it's in, the, in our relationships, whether it's in our finances, whether it's having to move or relocate, whether it's in our jobs, whether it's illness, whether it's having to leave a past life to embrace a new life. These are all transitions in which God is present and because he is a God of movement, he will see it through. And that's, that's the beauty of the gospel, that God didn't just show up to introduce himself and then walk away. That he introduces himself so that the relationship can be established. And in this relationship, as we establish this relationship, we begin to grow in this process. And we begin to realize that God is so present. So in the next couple of weeks, I want to talk about certain topics that... We need to know in these difficult transitions. The first one, obviously, is God's provision. For us to realize that we're no longer alone, and that's the heart of God, that God wants to provide for us. The other one is this part of our discipline that a lot of us frown about. And, and there's this redemptive pain that we have to talk about. There is this pain that God allows us to go through to rescue our future. I'm going to say that again. There is 
some pain you got to go through now so that he can rescue your future. Because he knows your future and he knows that unless he gets you to realize that this life, this attitude, this behavior is not conducive to who you're supposed to be, you're going to carry that into every relationship, every environment, every moment, and you're going to wonder what he's trying to do. So God's not going to let you do that. So there's redemptive pain. When I say redemptive, it redeems us. It squeezes us. I don't know about you, but I don't like pain. All right? Now some of you, I don't know. I don't know. Some of you are running for punishment. You guys pursue it. You know, you're not, I don't understand that. But I, I personally don't like pain. But I've learned something about pain. It has a way of getting my attention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it has a way of getting me to, to look up. For some of us, we, we reach for the medicine cabinet. For some of us, we throw ourselves into arms of people that are not prepared to suit up anything. On the contrary, they bring more pain into our lives than we need. And, and I think it's important for us to realize the Bible is so profound. What I love about our Bible, God's Word, is it doesn't neglect to show us the mighty men of the Bible who have gone through similar situations. And I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible that you probably have heard of. His name is Elijah. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 19 in the keeping notes. And I hope you do to help you through and to study. Uh, I want to explain that you have to be able to stay in your word because preachers will come and go. But the word of God will stay forever. So you need to be carrying your Bible, opening your Bible, looking at your Bible on a regular basis. Amen? Amen. Now the story of Elijah, I want to give you the backstory of this so that you can kind of understand what's going on here. Elijah is a prophet, and you understand what a prophet is. A, a prophet is not someone who speaks what they want to speak. A prophet is someone who speaks what God speaks into them. And all the time, the prophet does not escape what God is speaking. Well, whatever's going to happen, the prophet's going to have to go through it as well. And at this particular time, there was a king and a queen, and you guys know these names, Ahab and Jezebel. A lot of you... Jezebel here about Jezebel and stuff like that. And by the way, you kind of bug out about it. Okay? But she was only doing what she knew how to do. Nobody want to hear. Let me say that again. She was only doing what she knew how to do. She didn't know any better. And that's what I'm talking about change. And until you change, then there are names and labels that are attached to you. And until you begin to change, and I'm not talking about change just to change sake, I'm talking about the change that God wants to affect in us. And anything he wants to do is he wants to clean us up and then put us on this plate. Yes. So that the world will see that he is alive and well. And then we can have a conversation about what happened to us. I, I don't know about you, but I've had people ask me, you're not the same. And I'm like, I'm grateful that I'm not the same. Yes. You should be grateful I'm not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I still have some rough edges. We're working around here. We're chipping away. That's what God does in the workshop. He continues to chip away and peel back those layers of our lives. No, 
line up with the word of God. Amen? Amen. And then Ahab was the king and Jezebel was his queen. And what they began to do is they rejected God and they embraced their own God and began to erect these idols. And we know what idols are, right? Idols are those things that take the place of God. And they're not statues. It's that relationship you could be in. It's your finances, it's your car, it's your house. It can be your children. It can be anything you put before God. And then you begin to bow down to it. He says, well, I don't bow down to my husband. Maybe you should. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I pull that one back. But, but it's, in essence, we have to begin to understand that idols rob us of our relationship with God. And they had the Jezebel began to get involved in these things. And, and of course, Elijah is the prophet. Elijah shows up. And Elijah begins to confront what they're doing. And there's a powerful scene in the scriptures that talk about what happened that day. And I wish you would read the story because in chapter 18 and in chapter 19 and chapter 20, it begins this whole movement where uh, uh, Elijah challenges the prophet's gods, small g. Now, what these kings did and what these queens did who were not serving God, they surrounded themselves with yes men. People who will co-sign their stuff. Come on now. People who would say, yes, you're wonderful. Yes, you're great. Yes, you're fantastic. That is a lie from the pit of hell. People who are trying to rub upon you want something from you. And you need to be aware of these relationships. And what gets me sometimes is there's something inside you that likes there's something inside you that likes to be uh, validated by people or by things. You, you, you just like being uh, the, the, the center of attention. We, we see that in people. You know, you ever watch people walk by shining glass doors on Fifth Avenue? They're not looking at the items. <laughs> What are they looking at? There you go. Narcissism is a crazy thing, isn't it? But Elijah then begins to challenge prophets, and what happens is there is this confrontation on this hill in which uh, he tells, "Go get all your prophets, and let's go to this hill, and let's, you know, let's get this challenge going." And what happens is, you know, they they wet the ground and they they do all kinds of stuff and the offering and they put all kinds of things. He says, "Okay, now I want you to tell your prophets to call down fire, and whatever God consumes the this offering, that's the one true God." And what happens is that the prophets of Ahab and Jezebel, according to the scriptures, it's not just 450, it's over 900, I guess, right? 450 and 450 from both. And they begin to cry out to their gods and exhaust themselves. They're ripping and they're throwing themselves down and you see Elijah. <sighs> Where's your God? Listen to me. This is something you have to put in your spiritual capsule. When you find yourself in difficult transitions, only the God of heaven and earth is the one that can rescue you. Amen. Yes. The idols that we have, the people around us that say yes to everything, will leave us when things get difficult. Amen. People who are married in this room, when you view your vows, 
what it says. It says for better or worse. For better or worse. Remove the exit signs from your relationship. And begin to realize that you took vows and you spent a lot of money on your wedding, by the way. Food wasn't that good. But at least honor your vows. At least honor your vows. Because in the midst of everything that goes on, God is faithful to what he has set forth. And I want to encourage you in that respect. So what happens is Elijah then calls out to God and God shows up and consumes the offering. Very powerful moment. A high point in his ministry. A high point in his life. Like many of us, before we get into a difficult transition, it seems that everything is going right. Everything is just, you know, just everything peaches and cream and everything is just going good. Then all of a sudden we a bump in the road. And we start descending into this place that sometimes we call a valley. But i got to tell you something. Things grow in the valley. There is provision in the valley. And the God that was here when you were feeling good and the same God that's here when you're not feeling that good. You just got to find him. Over here there's plenty. But over here you might have to move some sand and look at the cactus and then look at that rattlesnake as a meal rather than something that's going to poison you. It's important for us to understand God is always providing for our needs. And I don't know where you are today. I don't know where I am today. I'm in that place of difficult transition. I'm in that place where I'm saying, God, I need you more today than I need you yesterday. I don't know what's next, this uncertainty of future. But here's what I want to discover. The only thing I know about God is found in his word. And I want to encourage you to make that your daily bread. Stay in God's word because he reveals himself through his word. Because this learning that goes on, if you understand about the Bible, then you understand that he is not done yet. He is not done yet. That he has started something in you. That he didn't take you out of darkness and bring you into the light. He didn't take you out of that miserable situation to put you into another miserable situation. That's you. That's you. You pull that. That's why some of us still keep dating the same crazy people. That's why we still can't manage our money. We haven't learned the lesson of that. And we have to learn from our mistakes. That's where this redemptive pain comes in. Some of us, you know, we keep doing the same thing over and over again. And we know what that is. How do you see that? We know it.
place 